0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're brought, we're podcasting a Bible class on Sunday mornings, every Sunday morning at 9:30 central time here in the United States for all of those who cannot be with us in the building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ at that time, every Sunday morning. We're 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 doing this to help people in the Omaha area still be able to get into God's Word on a regular basis on Sunday mornings for Bible class, but also for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're so thankful that we have the opportunity, the ability, and the means to be able to broadcast God's Word, teach His Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful for all of you who are listening, and we pray that you are growing in your faith as you grow in your knowledge of God's word, and that should be happening because faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17 We also encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. But share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can, always. Because you know people in your life, undoubtedly, who need to turn their thinking and their focus in life around. They need to come to God through Jesus Christ. They need to learn God's word so they can understand how he wants them to come to them to, to him so that they can be forgiven and saved through Jesus Christ. Help them, share these, these studies with them, always. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. Now also, tell people to go to our website at churchofchrist.com. Churchofchrist.com sign up for our podcasting. Just click on that podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free, it always will be free. We keep emphasizing we're not after people's wallets, we just want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And when people sign up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a daily Monday through Friday radio program called Search the Scriptures. But also, and this really helps people helps people fit some Bible study every day into their busy schedules and routines, they will receive a seven-day-a-week short Bible study that's called Today's Bible Class. It's only about 13 minutes each day, but it gets them into God's Word, helps them learn more, of god's will for their lives gives them further instruction but also encouragement and direction all of that is free and while people are at our website churchofchrist.com they can access and listen to hundreds of sermons and also download and read through and study through hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles and again all of that is for free and always will be for free So tremendous Bible study materials right there for anybody to take advantage of. Take advantage of it yourself and encourage everybody you know to do so as well. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we do encourage you to come and be with us for our Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 930 followed by worship at 10.30, our evening worship on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock, and our midweek Bible classes every Wednesday evening at 6.30. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. We'd love to have you come and study, learn with us, worship God with us, grow spiritually with us. We hope you'll take advantage of that if you're in the Omaha area. For those who are listening in other parts of the country, again, we're so thankful you're there. And you can always contact us through our website, churchofchrist.com. Click on the email link, or you can phone us at 402-498-8397. We hope to hear from you. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Numbers Now somebody, if you haven't listened through this entire series, you might say, what in the world are you studying the book of Numbers for? I don't know that I've ever studied the book of Numbers. Well, we began with Genesis chapter 1, and then we've gone all the way through Genesis chapter 1, the book of Exodus, and then later in, in, in kind of the second half or maybe the last third of the book of Exodus, I started skipping the more technical texts of scripture there that talked about how to build the t- how to build the tabernacle and all the different articles that would go into it and all the minute details and then you get into the various spiritual laws that God gave the Israelites beginning in that particular part of Exodus and then moving through Leviticus and then also Numbers and so I've really just skipped those technical areas and all the genealogies and I've I've focused I've picked out those Particular texts of Scripture through the last part of Exodus, Leviticus, and most of, of Numbers now that are, are more of the dialogue of what was happening with the Israelites as God, through Moses, was leading them through the wilderness. Now, again, why were they in the wilderness? And those who may not have studied this particular portion of God's Word might not realize they were in the wilderness for about 40 years why were they there for about 40 years? When you look at the scholars write down about the the that time period for the Israelites, they'll call it a lot of times the wilderness wanderings or the wandering through the wilderness. I call it piddling in the wilderness, piddling through the wilderness. Because you see, when God first led the israelites out of egypt where they had been enslaved and so god sent moses and aaron to lead them out and they did god brought judgment upon egypt through 10 plagues and then he destroyed much of the Egyptian army as they pursued the Israelites through the Red Sea. God led the Israelites across on dry land, parting the waters of that sea. And then when the pursuing Egyptian army chased them, uh, followed behind them, and were trying to run them down, God brought the waters down upon them and destroyed them. He began leading them to Mount Sinai, where he began to give them the law, the spiritual law that he wanted them to have through Moses. Gave it to Moses. Moses would write it down. He'd, he'd communicate it to the people. And God then led them through Moses and Aaron to the land that he had promised the Israelites through their forefathers hundreds and hundreds of years before. And so it was now time for God to fulfill that promise and give them that land, the land of Canaan, that would become ultimately the land of Israel, and to a great extent Palestine as, as we came to know it in later historical years. But when he led them to that land, and he did that fairly quickly after he led them out of Egypt, their faith waned even though God had been providing for them miraculously water and food, when they got to the borders of the promised land, Moses sent 12 spies, one from each of the tribes of Israel, into the land to check it out. They came back. They had some some samples of the fruit, the produce of that land. It, oh, they said, initially, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But then when the prospect of let's go in and take the land because they knew they would have to fight battles but God was going to give them the victory he was going to leave them alone to fight those battles they said ten of the spies said whoa, 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 whoa. we can't do that we're, we're not capable there are massive cities there they are fortified walls around them and the people there are strong and we even saw giants in that land and there was a race of giants at that time they said, we're, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Well, once they said, we're like grasshoppers in our sight, it was over. They were self-defeated. Only two of those spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, 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 Whoa, whoa! Well, well, God will give us the victory. Let's go take the land. We are well able, not on their own power, but because the power of God would be with them and be before them and bless them with defeating the enemies before them. But the people listened to the 10 spies and their faith in God diminished. Well, so God pronounced judgment upon them. And he said, this entire adult generation, from 20 years up, they're gonna die in the wilderness. And I will raise up the children of these adults. And I think we're to understand that they would have greater faith in God, I'll lead them into the promised land. And so when we look in the book of Numbers, that's where they are still. They're piddling around in the wilderness for a period of about 40 years until the, until the, the generations of all the adults from 20 years old on upward can die off. All of those generations where they had such weak faith in god they'll die off in the wilderness and god will lead the children who had become the next adult generation into the land and give it to them well we've seen that the people's faith continued to wane they continued to experience difficulties trusting God and maintaining that God would take care of them, see them through and bless them in all the ways that they needed, even though they had seen him do all of that repeatedly on an ongoing basis, their faith waned and God kept disciplining them and bringing judgment upon them. Moses kept praying for the people that God would would be patient and God kept exercising patience, but at the same time, he kept, he kept bringing judgment upon them. Now, we need to understand that as they were going through the wilderness, and if you look at a map of where they traveled, it was a great big circle, they kept running into other lands, other peoples, nationalities, and at times, they had to fight battles, In chapter 21, we noted how they had to fight the Canaanites, the king of Arad, the Canaanite. He brought his people, his warriors against the Israelites, and God gave Israel the victory over them. We drop down to verse 21 of chapter 21, and we find another battle that they're going to have to fight. King Sihon, beginning with verse 21 Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites. Now they had fought the Canaanites back in the early verses of chapter 21 and God gave them victory. Now they're facing the Amorites and the Israelites did not want these battles. They tried to to ensure the kings of these various peoples and nations that, that they only wanted peace. They were not gonna cause any harm or anything passing through their lands but these kings found them threatening in their mind and so they would fight, they would bring their armies up against them. So so Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through your land. We will not turn aside into fields or vineyards. We will not drink water from wells. We will go by the king's highway until we have passed through your territory. But Sihon would not allow Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all his people together and went out against Israel in the wilderness. And he came to Jehaz and fought against Israel that Israel defeated him with the edge of the sword and took possession of his land from the Arnon to the Jabbok as far as the people of Ammon, uh, for the border of the people of Ammon was fortified. And so Israel soundly defeated the Amorites on this occasion. So Israel took all these cities, and Israel dwelt in all the cities of the Amorites, in Heshbon, and in all its villages. For Heshbon was the city of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab, and had taken all his land from his hand as far as Arnon. Therefore, those who speak in Proverbs say, Come to Heshbon, let it be built, let the city of Sihon be repaired. For fire went down from Heshbon, a flame from the, from the city of Sihon. It consumed Ar of Moab, the lord of, or of the heights of the Arnon. Mo, uh, woe to you, Moab, you have perished. O people of Shamash, he has given his sons as fugitives and his daughters into captivity to Sihon, king of the Amorites but we have shot at them. Heshbon has perished as far as, as Debon. Then we laid waste as far as Nopha, we, uh, which, which reaches to, to Mediba. Thus Israel dwelt in the land of the Amorites. Then Moses sent to spy out Jezar, and they took its villages and drove out the Amorites who were there. Now, Sometimes we're just hard-headed as human beings, aren't we? Someone tries to get along with us peaceably, uh, in an amiable way, and we're just not going to have any of it. We're going to be confrontational. We're going to be challenging. So here, on at least a couple of occasions, as this massive Israelite, group a group of people, population. And again, we're probably talking about somewhere around one to three million people at this time who are Israelites who had left Egypt. As they're traveling through the wilderness and they're coming to these various countries, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Moabites, so on, they, they keep trying to maintain peace with the kings of those nations, saying, we, we're just on our way. We need to pass through your land. We're not going to ca- cause any harm just let us go in peace. And these kings, in these couple of occasions, so far they said, no, no, we're not going to let you go through our land. They either did not believe them, or they saw them as a challenge, something might happen, or maybe they thought they could take advantage of this people who did not have their own land yet, the Israelites, and maybe they could you know, just put the sword to them and they could loot their belongings and so on and take slaves and captives and all of that. Again, we're left to wonder at times as to what all of the reasoning was behind these these kings who refused safe passage and peaceful passage through their lands. And so Israel was forced to fight battles after battles and God gave them the victories. And they actually then at least to a degree, possessed those lands. But that was not the ultimate land that God had promised them and where he wanted them to really take possession and establish themselves as a nation. That would be Canaan, and that would become Israel. But along the way, they were taking over these other lands. They were defeating those enemy armies. And we come to another again. In verse 33 of chapter 21, the king Og is defeated. They turned and went up by the way of Bashan. So Og, king of Bashan, went out against them and all his people to battle at Edrei. Then the Lord said to Moses, do not fear him, for I have delivered him into your hand with all his people and his land, and you shall do to him as you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt at Heshbon. So they defeated him, his sons, and all the people, until there were no survivors left him. No survivor left him, and they took possession of his land. Now, we might wonder, they kept taking possession of these various lands that had belonged to the kings of these different peoples, and so we might wonder, well, did they keep that land forever? No. Again, that was not the land that God had planned for them. That would be Canaan again. That would become the national the, the national identity of, of Israel. So almost all of these lands, while they defeated them and occupied them for a time, they were still on their way to Israel, what would become Israel. The promised land that God had promised to them through their forefathers going all the way back to uh, Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and for hundreds of years renewed that promise through Isaac and then Jacob and and so now he's coming to a time God's ready to give them that land in reality in chapter 22 we come to another king and another land The king is named Balak, and beginning with verse 1, then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab. So here's another land, another king, on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, he's the king of Moab, was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. Hmm. the king of Moab and the people of Moab undoubtedly heard what the Israelites this massive group of people their army and you know when they left Egypt they had no what you might call a formal army and armies at that time in that culture of that day Were largely different from what we understand armies to be today standing armies it was basically the men of the of of the nation would gather together they would be probably be trained through their lives to some extent in battle and they would just pick up their arms and they would join all the other men of the nation and they go out to battle And usually, you know, we understand wars now as being ongoing, one battle after another, after another, after another, until the enemy is defeated. But back then, you'd have one massive battle on so many occasions. That would be the end of the war. Whoever won was the victor. And so, undoubtedly, Balak, the king of Moab, and the Moabite people, they had heard about the defeats of the Canaanites, by Israel, and the Amorites by Israel, and so on, and so here now the Israelites, this massive body of people, they're coming toward their land, and the people are afraid. Balak, the king, is afraid, and so uh, he's not he's not all anxious to go lead his warriors into battle against the Israelites because he's afraid they might be defeated. Maybe he's thinking they probably, almost certainly would be defeated, as had been the case with those previous kings and their warriors in those previous battles against the Israelites. They all lost. So Balak, he decides to take a different approach. Now he, may, he apparently feels like He still has to do battle. He has to protect his land. Although if he would simply listen to reason, there was no need for war. But instead he decides that he's going to seek out a prophet of God. And he's going to try to persuade that prophet to look over the people of Israel and bring a curse upon them. So that Balak and his army can defeat them in battle. Now, the prophet that he seeks out was named Balaam. And most of us have probably heard the story of Balaam and his donkey. And I'm going to leave you in that little bit of suspense because we will pick up in chapter 22 and read about Balaam and his experience with the king of moab that king being balak but also balaam's experience with god read ahead chapter 22 and we'll look at that next time let's pray father you are all powerful you are also all good all righteous but you're also all just father Guide us in your will so that we can live the righteous and just life before you, the godly life, and thereby be able to expect your blessings, your abundant blessings, to be poured upon us as we live faithfully before you. Help people to see that they need not fear if they will walk with you. Help people to see all over the world that they can find security by living according to your will, your teachings. Help us, Father, to help people see that truth and to lead them to you through Jesus Christ. We pray. We pray for healing for all who need to be healed. We pray, Father, for protection against the devil in all of his ways. But we pray, Father, for the power of your word, your gospel message of salvation to change lives everywhere. Guide us to be those teachers, those examples, Father. Guide people to find your word and learn it and live by it, to cherish it, Father, we pray. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.